Um, let's turn in our Bibles to John chapter 5. Bam. I'm going to read a long portion of Scripture because it just happens that it's a, it's a, the first long discourse or speech or preaching or teaching of Jesus in the Gospel of John. Jesus had just healed this man in the pool of Bethesda. He had been ill for 38 years. Jesus tells him to take up his mat and walk. And all of a sudden he walks. It happens to be on the Sabbath. The Pharisees, the religious police come and say, why are you walking around with your bed on the Sabbath? And he said, well, the guy that healed me told me to pick up my bed and walk. And so he picks up, his, uh, he, they, they're trying to figure out who it is. And when they find out it is Jesus, it says, afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple, verse 14 of chapter 5, and said to him, see that you have been made well. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him. Crazy, huh? He just healed a man. And they want to kill Jesus. Because he had done this, these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him, because not only did he break the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees his father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the, the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and the, those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. 
there is another who bears witness of me. And I, also, and, and I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. You have sent to John, and he is born witness to the truth. Yet I do not, yet I do not receive testimony from man, but I say these things that you may be saved. He was the burning and shining lamp, and you were willing for a time to rejoice in his light. But I have greater witness than John's, for the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do bear witness of me, that the Father has sent me. And the Father himself who sent me has testified, You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form, but you do not have his word abiding in you, because whom he sent him you do not believe. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are which are they which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. I do not, re- I do not receive honor from men, but I know you, that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God? Do not think that I shall accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, in whom you trust. For if you believe Moses, you will believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? My goodness, huh? The words of Jesus. (laughs) Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for your word. And I pray, Lord, that you will speak to our hearts today. And we can't tackle all that's there today. But I pray that you would focus our mind into a few things that we can gather from this and learn Um, for our lives. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Notice, notice here, um, sometimes we think of Jesus just kind of having really nice words to say to everybody. But Jesus spoke pretty strong stuff. But usually the strongest stuff that he spoke, he spoke to the religious people of the day not to the common people in the street. You know, I say this because sometimes we kind of think that we have to be really bold in speaking about hell and and wrath and stuff to the world, but really it was to the religious people that Jesus spoke those things. As far as going out, he was moved with compassion as sheep without a shepherd, right? And, um, And here, after he heals a man on the street in the pool of Bethesda who had, who had no man to help him, who, yes, was superstitious, yes, had his issues, but Jesus had compassion on him and he makes him well, the disciples, or, or the, sorry, the, the, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all those guys, instead of saying, my goodness, what has happened in Bethesda that the lame walk, which is a prophecy about what the Messiah would do when he came, instead of seeing that sign and realizing, could it be the Messiah is here? 
all they can see is, what are you doing carrying your bed on the Sabbath? Now, the Sabbath is something that was given by God. God created the world in six days and then he rested. The Sabbath in the, in the wilderness, they were supposed to gather food six days. But on the seventh, it would actually last two days and they would be able to eat. And God was pretty severe to make sure that the people rested. But it's because it was covetousness and a desire to have more or a desire not to trust God that drove them to want to work every single day. So God asked the people of God, uh, the people of God, look, this is going to be a sign to you. You don't have to work every day. You are going to have one day off. You need rest for your life. So he gave it as a burden lifter, right? Does that make sense? He gives the Sabbath as a burden lifter. The religious people made the Sabbath into a burden bringer. You know, they said that if you had a, 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 a false leg, you couldn't use it on the Sabbath because you would be carrying things. We used to live in, um, uh, by, I think it was by Stamford Bridge. I, uh, we lived in Clapton, and, and right next to it was a neighborhood that was uh, 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 Orthodox Jews who, you know, they're the strictest one. But it's interesting, the rules that they have if you go to Israel, there's a Sabbath elevator. There's a Sabbath elevator because pressing the button is work. So therefore, this elevator is a slow one because it stops at every floor, but you don't have to press anything. Right? There, there is a, you cannot cook on the Sabbath, so they actually, in, in, uh, some people will, will cook everything the day before, and then eat on the Sabbath. But you have to be careful that you don't work on the Sabbath. So what happened is the religious people, something that was supposed to be a burden lifter, they made into a burden, a heavy burden upon their lives. Jesus said it like this. You made the commandments. You, you are actually, uh, you've made commandments of man and you obey those and you ignore the commandments of God. So here, I mean, the, the Bible was clear. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And here this man gets healed and he's carrying his bed. And rather than saying, oh my goodness, I love this guy. That's amazing. 38 years and now he's healed. Rather than rejoicing in that, they're just thinking, we got to we got to find out who did this. Who told you to do this? Because they taught the commandments of man as if they were the commandments of God. And this is something that we have to be very, very, very careful. That we do not teach the commandments of man as if they were the commandments of God. I think this is one of the great sins of the church today. And we need to go back to our Bibles and to, and to say to ourselves, what is it that it is God who said it? And what is it that it is our tradition that made it? Now, please understand, I'm not saying you should go through the Bible and say, 
what did God say and what did not God? No, God breathed this. It's just in our interpreting of the Bible, we've made commandments that are man-made commandments and not God-made commandments. I'll give you an example. A friend of mine uh, who pastors a church uh, offered communion and a non-Christian in the congregation was about to take the communion and take the bread and take the cup and drink it in remembrance of Jesus. One elder in the church said, not you. Yeah, everybody's cringing, you know. <laughs> My friend cringed. He was shocked. He was shocked. But the guy, the elder, what he felt is like, you know, he's going to eat and drink condemnation on himself because he's not a believer. But you know what? The, the, what was going on in the context of that thing is people were coming together to remember the sacrifice of Jesus with the wine, with the bread, through a meal. And what they were doing is they were getting drunk and they were not sharing food. They had lost the spirit of the whole thing. But it never said that somebody could not be a church and draw near and maybe take communion, maybe for the first time for real. And it is very possible that we teach the commandments of man as the, if they were the commandments of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 is a wonderful chapter to me, not because of what it teaches, but about the form. There's, there's, there's a form in the Apostle Paul. There's a pattern in the Apostle Paul that I find amazing. Pa uh, Paul says at one point, he says, I say to you, not the Lord. Imagine the Apostle Paul saying, I say this to you, not the Lord. I think we need to learn how to say that. This is my own personal conviction, but it is not Bible teaching. Then he says this, I don't say this to you. God says this to you. When we read our Bibles, we need to be able to say those two things. I say to you, not the Lord. And we have to be able to say, no, no, but this the Lord says to you, and it's not my opinion. And then he says something else. I say to you as an apostle, as, as having experience, and we have to be very careful. But these guys had become so religious. They had become so traditional. And, and you know what? They actually had good reason for it. They really, their motive, or rather good motivation, they actually wanted to protect the law of God. But in trying to protect the word of God, the law of God, they created these, these boundaries upon boundary upon boundary upon boundary that no longer serve the kingdom of God. But they were not content. When Jesus did what was biblical, when Jesus did what was right, when Jesus did what was good, they were not content with that, saying, okay, well, he's doing it, but anyway, who have to give account to God? No, they were the police, and they were ready to kill him. And you're just, I mean, this goes on in Iran today. You have religious police. You have people there that are wondering if the women are wearing their head coverings just right or not. And, and my goodness, if you don't, you get arrested. Religious police. And here, this 
these people sought to kill him. And Jesus says to them, my father has been working until now, and I have been working. Therefore, the Jews sat, sought all the more to kill him, because not only did he break the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal to God. And then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do, for whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. For the father loves the son and shows him all things that he does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the son gives life to whom he will. For the father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the son, that all should honor the son just as, the, as they honor the father. He who does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into the judgment, but has passed from death to life. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. And so Jesus here goes further. They're, they're seeking to kill him because he says that the, the father, the God is his father. So they say, oh my goodness, this guy's saying that he's equal with God. And, and in a sense, the question should not have been, the, or the response should not have been hatred or wanting to kill him. And I think in reading our Bibles, we have to be very careful that the, the response should not have been, let's kill him because we don't believe that. The response should have been, is it true? Is it true? Or is it not true? But Jesus says, most assuredly, I said to you, the son can do nothing of himself. And then he goes into this amazing, um, just very briefly, we're going to get into five proofs, five, five witnesses or six witnesses of, of uh, for Jesus. But notice here it says, the time is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Now, he's not speaking here about physical death. He's going to speak about that in the, in the following verses. He's going to speak about that in verse 28 and 29. Here he's speaking about a spiritual death. The Barbie. I haven't seen the Barbie film. I've been told not to watch it because it's sort of, is super, I don't know, whatever. Whatever people have said it is. And, and, uh, and Billie Ellis, she writes this song, and, 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 and in this song, it, it, it says, what was I made for? And we have to realize, one of the things we need to realize, that when we are born into this world, although we have physical life, we do not possess spiritual life. 
I think it's very simple. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says, For we were dead in our sins and trespasses. We had no spiritual life whatsoever. I remember Jonathan, when we first adopted Jonathan, and um, he came to the house, and many of you know the story of how it went. It was a bit rough at the beginning, but, but I, I, I remember the first time that I prayed with him, and I prayed for, and I prayed for him, you know. Uh, every night, we've, since then, we've always prayed with him, always pray for him. And, um, but the first time I prayed, I'm like, okay, Jonathan, let's pray to the Lord. He looked at me like I was an alien. That's right. <laughs> and then we got a reply like that. <laughs> but you know, we, we, we need to realize that when we are born into this world, we are born into this world physically. But Jesus said to Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you cannot even see the kingdom of God. And so this is what Jesus is referring to. Jesus is referring to his, his voice. He is going to call. The, the sheep are going to hear his voice, and he is going to give them life. Born again. New instincts. New desires. New 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 sensations you know you're you're when you're in the womb i mean you're fed you're warm you're kept you're you're protected but you come into this new world and all of a sudden everything's new this is what jesus is saying the father and the son they're 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 in the world they're working hard and he is going to bring life into people's life little l big l existence Versus living. I mean, think about this. It says, um, oh my goodness, where am I? Uh, here we go. He says, most assuredly I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. And that's the story of many of you here. I remember people would tell me about God and I would be like, whatever. I remember going to university thinking, these people are weird. They read their Bibles. I remember looking at my last name and thinking, that is weird that I would end up with a, a, a vicar as a last name. But it's amazing. I remember going up and praying with this man I'd never met before, never saw afterwards, and I remember just realizing I was a believer now. I was different. I, there, was a, there was a call from the front to receive the Lord. I went forward, and that day I prayed, and Jesus gave me new life. And that's been your experience. Who can do this but God? Jesus says, Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, of Jesus, dealing with our souls. And those who hear will live. 
And of course, the Pharisees knew nothing of that. As we see in the last verses of this chapter, it says, For you, if you believe Moses, you would also believe me. They were big into the law. What you can't do, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, you can't do that. Everything was the law. And the law, of course, was given by God, but the law was never given as a solution for man. Do, you understand, do we understand this? The law was never given to, hey, go ahead, keep it. Good luck, buddy. Because James tells us that if we keep the whole law and just miss one part of it, you're guilty of the whole thing. So as men, we're guilty. Because we, at one point or another, we've broken the law. But the law was given so that we would see that there is a problem in our hearts. That we are not able to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength. And that we are not able to love our neighbors, ourselves, because we love those who we want to love and we love those who love us. But when Jesus comes and he speaks and he brings life, that's the solution. The solution is an inward life that begins to take over. And so this, what was I made for? Barbie realizes that she's not real. Oh my goodness, I think it's a great movie. I think it's a great evangelism tool. Hey, have you seen the Barbie movie? Did you see the scene when she realized she wasn't real? And then she asked the question through Billy Eilish? You'll be the most contemporary evangelist in the world. Billy Eilish says, who made, who, who, what was I made for? Have you ever thought of that? Have you ever thought that we're just living in this world and we're just existing? But at one point or another, you realize that there's more to life, that, there's, that, that we were not created just to, ha, to, to eat, to drink, to marry, to have babies, and then to pass away and that's it? That there was actually more to life? That there's a God that loves us? That we are separated from Him? That He died on the cross for us? That He adopted us? That he gave us a living hope and that this is actually like like a like a cheap restaurant where, where you get no 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 like a cheap restaurant like a good restaurant where you go for a taster menu you go for a tasting menu but then you're gonna have the wedding with the real thing <clears throat> and here this is what Jesus is saying dead man walking people are dead Jesus comes to bring life. But then he says this. Then he says in verse 28, Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in their graves will hear the, his voice and come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Wow. Now, if you want to make a cross-reference, cross-reference that with Daniel chapter 12 Daniel chapter 12, uh, many years earlier, he, he wrote this, he wrote this, and then, my, and that time Michael, the, the angel, the archangel, archangel s shall stand up, the great prince who stands watched over the sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time, and to that time your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book, and many of those who sleep in the dust 
of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn away to righteousness shall like the stars forever and ever. And here you have this image. Again, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, Jesus saying that he's going to speak to the graves and every single person in the world is going to stand before Jesus one day. Every single person will see Jesus. Philippians chapter um, 2 says, Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Every knee will bow. But it will be through the word of Jesus that that will happen. He will take, he will speak to the graves. And then some of you guys that are skeptical is like, what, what, what will happen to those people that were in the sea? What will happen to those people that were maybe burned? Uh, how, how is all that going to happen? What happens to the bodies that have been disintegrated? My goodness, if God created heaven and earth, what does it cost the Lord to just say, come up? Remember with Lazarus? With Lazarus, it says that... Uh, um, Spurgeon says that Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. Because if he had not said the name Lazarus, every dead person would have risen. <laughs> but here, the, I mean, here Jesus, in a sense, in a sense what he's doing is he is revealing himself. Think about this. He is giving glimpses of himself to the Pharisees. He's giving glimpses of his greatness, of his majesty, of his power, of his authority. He's giving them opportunity to believe. Oh my goodness. And he gives them six, six witnesses. Six witnesses that Jesus is the Son of God. He points to six witnesses. He's saying to the Pharisees, you have these things that you are refusing to look at. All you are holding on to is your man-made law. And you refuse to see the witnesses. What are those witnesses? Write them down if you like. Number one is himself. He says, if I bear witness of myself, my, my witness is not true. He's not saying that his witness is not true. What he's saying is that his testimony alone, if I tell you my credentials, that's not good enough. You need letters of commendation, right? So, so he is, his testimony alone is not good, but he has himself as a witness. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the resurrection of the life. Jesus testifying of himself. Witness number one. The other one who bears witness is in verse 32. There's another who bears witness of me. And I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true, the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, when um, I will go away and he will come, when the Spirit comes, he will testify of me. The Spirit testifying, bearing witness when Jesus spoke about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, it wasn't to say, oh, uh, speaking a bad word against the Holy Spirit. It wasn't even to say the Holy Spirit didn't do that, but that the Holy Spirit in, in, in testifying to man of who Jesus is, man would refuse that, the witness of the Spirit of God. 
Number three, John the Baptist. You can see that in verse 33. You have sent John and he has borne witness to the truth. What did, what did John the Baptist say? Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So you have Jesus' testimony. You have the Spirit's testimony. You have John the Baptist's testimony. And here, then in verse 4, it says, But I have a greater witness than John's. For the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do bear witness of me. So what are the works? Peace, be still, the Sea of Galilee calmed. The demon possessed, delivered, like the Old Testament said. The blind being healed, like the Old Testament said. The lepers, there was no cure for leprosy. And when Jesus cleansed the lepers, and he says, now go to the temple and show yourself, they would have read the Old Testament, and they had, they, there are some verses in Leviticus where in those verses, it would give how to treat a leper that had been cleansed. But the problem is lepers were never cleansed unless the Messiah was doing it. And so when the lepers went to the temple, the, the, the priest should have said, oh my goodness, the Messiah is among us. Who did this? And they should have researched it because they would have traced it to Jesus and they would, have, they would have said, Jesus is the Messiah. But you know, the testimony, the witness of the very, the, I mean, when he raised Lazarus, when he raised the little girl, all these signs bore witness of who he is. But then his father, verse 37, and the father himself who sent me has testified to me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. But in the Father, remember when Jesus was baptized, a voice came from heaven. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The Father bears witness. But then sixth, the sixth witness that we have is the Scriptures. The Bible. You see that in verse 39, you search the scriptures for in them you think that you have eternal life and these are they which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. Notice that, the witness of the scriptures. But notice the problem, they are not willing. Now, what do you mean the witness of the scriptures? You guys want to do something really quick? Do we have, no, we don't have time. Oh my goodness. We should do that next week. We should cruise through the scriptures next week through the Old Testament and just look at the witness of the Old Testament on who Jesus, I'll give you a, a, a I'll tell you. Baika. that he will be born in Bethlehem. The Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. That he will come out of Egypt. Then you have Psalm um, 22. That is, that his hands, that, that he will be pierced. That he would not that the the fault that that he would not allow his holy one the Messiah his body to see decay. 
that means that he would never corrupt, that, that, that he would never get eaten by worms, that he would never, you know, he would, he would not decay. He will not allow your, you will not allow your Holy One to see corruption. In Daniel chapter 9, it gave the time, the year, 483 years from the going forth of the command to rebuild Jerusalem, the Messiah, the Prince, would come. In Isaiah 53, that he would go like a lamb to the slaughter for our transgressions. So here, Jesus, what he's saying is, you have the witness of the scriptures, the whole scriptures testify of me. Remember when he was on the road to Emmaus, he told the disciples everything concerning himself in the scriptures. So you have the witness of himself. You have the witness of the spirit. You have the witness of John. You have the witness of his miracle. You have the witness of his father. You have the witness of the scriptures themselves. What's the problem? What's the problem? And the problem is that they refuse to believe. Verse 40. The reality is that these people that looked so religious and they were ruling over the people, they didn't love God. Notice what it says in, in verse 42. But I know you, that you do not have the love of God in you. Notice in verse 43. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive it. If another one comes in his own name, they were very ready to, to receive false messiahs. And you know what? And, and they, were, they loved honor one from the other. And they were really upholding Moses, but they themselves did not obey Moses. And here they are with man-made religion, man-made rules, and the Son of God is standing in front of them. And so you might be here today, and I, I, I'm going to ask you some questions, but you might be here today, and you will be like, my goodness. And I'm speaking to people that might not believe, that might, not be, that might be struggling, that might be skeptics. And you're like, man, if there's a God, then why the earthquake? If there's a God, then why uh, the Crusades? If there's a God, why is there so many religions? If there's a God, you know, and, 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 we, and we built these negative narratives. And the whole time, Jesus is standing, I mean, first of all, the religious people, it was religious people that were holding the people captive. I remember years ago in London, there was an article that said, we've come to the place where the unfaithful are ruling over the faithful. And the reason that they wrote that article was because 
It's that two-thirds of the clergy, of the religious leaders, of the religious leaders, two-thirds, they no longer believed in the resurrection of Jesus anymore. What does this chapter want us to believe about Jesus? Why is it important? Wait. What traditions in your life might be man-made traditions? and not just simple, unadulterated Word of God. What in our life is under God's control? And here these people had a choice to be critical to think and to just yield and say, my goodness, Jesus, no matter what you did, you are the Son of God. What areas in our life do we see daily where we have the option to yield or to rebel against Jesus? What steps are we taking, are you taking, to fight to obey Jesus? And how can the battle for obedience be won? Notice here, he says, if you do not have the Son, neither do you have the Father. And here you had these religious, I mean, they looked religious on the outside. They were standing up for the Sabbath. They were standing up for God's things. They must have sounded very reasonable, but when they were faced with Jesus, they wanted to get rid of him. And in our lives, we want to be people that receive the life of Jesus, that see hope to realize, man, my goodness, there's, there's not only do we receive the life of Jesus here, but there is eternal life. Jesus will call us to be with him forever. And as we grow in our life with the Lord Jesus Christ, what we want to do is, is and this is, the, this is the passion that I have. This is the passion for I have. That's why we called it real people in a real world with a real God. Let's hold on to that which is solid and let go of that which is not biblical. And that's why when I took over this pastorate, I actually turned it down from London. I was asked to take over this church and I said, no, I'm not the guy to do this. And then um, when I moved to Calarajada, the pastor found out I was on the island. He asked me, please, uh, let's uh, please take over this, please pastor the church. And then I preached, and then the church wanted me to become the pastor. And I remember saying to the, pastor, to the church, I'm not a scholar, but if you want to discover this book together 
and grow in our relationship with the Lord and come to this book where there's plenty of evidence inside and outside. If we want to travel with this together, let's do it. Let's grow. Let's learn. So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for, for your word. And as we see this story of, of this man being healed and the religious people becoming so adamant against because of the tradition of men, help us, Lord, to grow in a way that not only are we weary of the leaven of the world in a sense of the flesh, but that we are weary, Lord, of the leaven of the religious leaders, the leaven of the Pharisees who build rules upon rules that were not biblical rules. Help us, Lord, to grow without leaven, with sincerity, with love. And with these people that read their Bibles all the time, but refuse to come to you. Help us, Lord, to be a people that we don't worship a book, but we worship you, the Lord of the book. Help us to enjoy life with you, Lord. Help us to realize, Lord, like Barbie, that we were not real, but you've come, Lord, to breathe life into us. And that we have a hope solid that you will raise the dead and that we have the witnesses that we have this amazing privilege Lord of belonging to you so Lord we thank you and pray that there's anybody that doesn't know you here this morning Lord Maybe there's, a, there's been a battle about a, just a skepticism, a, a, a battle of the heart. I pray, Father, that today, like your word says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. There will be a, a melting, Lord. After seeing such a... You know, like these guys have to see such a sign that they would not be so petty with that stuff, but that they would actually be able to receive who you are, Lord, and what you've done. We pray, Father, that we would be open to all the witnesses, your, your, your word, your spirit, everything that you have for us to grow in, Lord. Help us to realize how frail our life is and how apart from you, apart from you, there's no, it's just existing, Lord. And you said you've come to give life and life more abundant. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.